Welcome to the Binge Breakers Podcast. I'm Jacqueline. I am here to teach you how I overcame bulimia and my binge eating disorder, and how you can too. Through simple steps of mind management, repairing your relationship with yourself, understanding your habits, and intuitive eating. Disclaimer. This recording is not intended to be utilized as medical advice or a medical diagnosis. If you think you're in need of medical attention or treatment, please seek it immediately. This recording will also contain sensitive subjects such as binging and purging, weight and depression. Please listen at your own discretion and do what you think is best for you. Hello everyone. Good morning. Happy Friday. It's Jacqueline here. Today, I wanted to talk about five things successful people do in recovery. I'll explain what I mean by successful because that can be defined in different things, but then also the five particular things that I see people in recovery do, believe me, recovery, that seem to accelerate their recovery or make it go faster. Um, but first, I just want to say hello. How are you? I'm doing okay. It's a crazy week. Christmas is approaching fast and furious but I hope you're surviving. If you feel like you need extra advice when it comes to Christmas and holidays, I have a whole series on Christmas and holiday, how to survive the holidays in general. You can go to that series. If you scroll down to 2020, it'll be on there and I have like, I think seven episodes or so dedicated to those things. So go ahead and read that or listen to that if you feel like you're really struggling this holiday season. But I feel like I've touched on that a lot. There's always more to go, but I want to focus on some other things. And I've been thinking about this topic of what makes people successful in recovery, because I'm always trying to think of my clients and how I can help them more and what is making, what is working for them, what's not working for them and adjusting. So I wanted to share that with you. So before I go into the five things and actually one bonus thing that makes people successful in recovery, I first wanted to define success because success is only like it's relative, right? It's whatever you make it. I have a different idea of success than what you think of success. And when I use that term, I'm then saying that some people aren't successful in recovery. And I feel like in recovery, your success is completely individual to you. You have to be excited about the little wins. I was just watching an Instagram reel where a therapist was talking about how one of his clients finally showered after a few weeks, right? And to a lot of us, that doesn't seem like a big deal. But for that person, it was a huge, huge accomplishment. So just because I'm defining success in a different way, doesn't mean you have to take my like opinion on it. You need to define your own success and look for the little wins in your life, regardless of where you're at. Everyone starts somewhere. And if you're constantly waiting for your success to look like someone else, you won't, or someone else's success, you won't recognize it and you won't get excited and that momentum won't build. You have to be excited about the little, ittiest, bittiest, tiniest of wins. And that's actually one of the first things that successful people in recovery do is they get excited and, and actually congratulate themselves and get happy about the little things that they do. They recognize it and they start celebrating it, not just with me, but on their own. They start talking about it. They're getting pumped about it. They have that snowball effect. So that's the first thing right there. But what defines success for me in terms of leading me recovery is people that are maybe progressing faster. They are um, not binging and purging really quickly. They're moving along the progress ladder in terms of leaving recovery. They're able to like eat fear foods pretty quickly and be intuitive eat get to intuitive eating much faster than usual. Those people, I'm trying to figure out like what's different about them. And here are the traits. Number one, I just said, maybe not in, in any particular order, but they get excited about their wins and they get excited about the momentum that they're building. 
Um, what that does is a lot of times people, they do a lot of things, but they never reward themselves for it. They never um, give themselves a pat on the back. They never recognize their progress. And it can really leave you feeling like you're on a hamster wheel of life, right? Hamster wheel of recovery, just constantly next thing, next thing, next thing. It leaves you feeling very fried and burnt out and there's never any peace or recognition and stability phases. We all as humans, we need times of growth and then we need times of rest and calm and resetting. I was thinking about, I'm a spin junkie now. I love lifting weights, but I also love spin classes. And whenever we're doing um, spin classes, there's periods where they're challenge us in the class, you know, probably have like two minutes of a push. We're cycling really fast or really hard intensity um, and resistance. And then you'll have a reset period where they'll play a song where you will, it's just a song and a period for three minutes where you're resetting your body for the next challenge to go ahead. Basically, people are doing that in the bulimia recovery. The people that aren't very successful or have trouble getting that success that they want are the people that they do something and they either don't want to recognize it, don't reward themselves, or they're kind of like, cool, yeah, not a big deal. What's the next thing? And then they go, 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 go. And then they wonder why they're feeling tired and burnt out all the time. Uh, I do think that once you're recovered from bulimia, it is better um, to be recovered than it is to be with bulimia, but you got to recognize that it's not going to magically make your life better. It will make your life so much better in so many ways, but it's not like you have to be impatient to get there. Slow progress is just as good as fast project progress, and it's actually a lot more sustainable than making really quick progress and changing everything all at once. You want to be slow, consistent, like the tortoise and the hare, you know, slow and steady wins the race most of the time. Um, really quick progress is usually a little bit too good to be true. And you cut some corners. And when you cut some corners, make little shady decisions, the whole building comes crumbling down. So first thing, people recognize their success and reward themselves either mentally they just recognize their progress sit with it they practice gratitude for what they're doing they um, write it down they journal about how well they're doing or they talk about it with me or with other people they celebrate it with those little wins that they do when they overcome an urge and they don't just say oh it's not a big deal or they make excuses for their success they um, own their success as well they really take full responsibility for their success Along the same lines as responsibility for the positive things that you're doing, the things that you should feel really good about, um, something that people that are successful in bulimia recovery do that's equally important is they take responsibility for the thoughts and behaviors and actions that they're doing that are not leading them towards recovery, that are actually hindering them and holding them back. And it isn't until they take full responsibility that they actually decide then to change them, that they start making changes because they recognize that it is actually fully within their responsibility and no one else's to make those changes. You can't, unless you've accepted that I'm doing these things and I actually have to stop doing these things at some point to make a change, it's never going to get better. You could have, try to have someone force you, but what, what type of life is that? You know, it usually doesn't work out. It usually ends up in resentment or it's not sustainable because you have to go to a treatment center whatever. It's not until people start to take full responsibility for the choices, both bad and good that they're making that are leading to the results in their life. And knowing that it's your responsibility, people take that and they make it mean shame and blame and guilt. They start to feel horrible for the choices that they're making that aren't leading them in the right direction. But you got to just realize it's as simple as, okay, you're making these choices that aren't in your best interest right now, 
that you can also make different choices moving forward. And sometimes you're still going to slip up and make the choice that isn't best for you. And instead, you could make a choice then to not blame yourself and beat yourself up, but just learn from that choice that wasn't so great and move forward. When people really start to realize that it's them, it's them that's the one that's got to change. It's them that's the one that's got to make the decision that they actually have capabilities and choices. When you take on that responsibility of your own recovery, you start to get a lot more empowered and realizing that it is up to you and you're the one that can do it, which is actually a really good thing. You don't have to depend on anyone else for your results. You know, you don't have to wait for anything to change. You don't have to wait for the magical answers or information or wait for your brain to suddenly work properly. You can just start trying to make different decisions and start moving forward with that and learning and failing and learning and failing. Um, it's hard though. It is really hard. I, I uh, shared a story um, on my Instagram and that conversation actually came from a client that I was talking about, uh, talking with on Monday and she was really struggling with self-loathing. It reminded me of when I was having an event. Um, we had guests over and my boyfriend was there and I was literally crying on the bathroom floor next to the toilet. Um, partly because I had just tried to purge and wasn't successful at it. Um, but then also because I also, because I was just, I felt like a complete mess. Like, what was I doing? There was a guest over, there was my boyfriend, there was like, there were people there. And I was just sitting in a bathroom for sobbing and like trying, like, I felt so out of control, so terrible myself. I hated myself. I just felt this such a deep disdain and hatred for myself. I felt like such a mess. And it was funny because my boyfriend came to check on me and he told me something that really resonated with me, which was, I wish you wouldn't think, I wish you wouldn't think this way about yourself. Like you don't have to think these things. It's almost like you want to hate yourself and you don't have to. And I really, in that moment, it was so, so clear to me. Um, I'd already been dabbling with the idea that I didn't have to think that way. I could think differently. And I was actually responsible for changing my thoughts, but it, resonated with me that day, probably because I was sitting on a bathroom floor next to a toilet crying that I, if I, if I kept on thinking these self-loathing habitual thoughts, I just kept, kept falling into the pool of like, I'm such a terrible person. I can never change, blah, blah, blah. I always fuck things up. Um, I was going to keep on ending up on the bathroom floor crying. Like that's where it was going to get me every single time. And it felt miserable. It felt oddly comforting because at the very least I didn't have to do anything. All I had to do was accept that I was a shitty person and that I couldn't change. When you take responsibility for your behavior, you, you realize that you actually to have the power to change. And sometimes that means you have to accept that you haven't been taking action all this time. That can be a hard pill to swallow. But once I realized like, I don't have to do this. I could at the very least think differently. And I, I don't have to hate myself. I don't have to like love, love myself, but I at least have to treat myself with decency and respect. And I at least have to not keep jumping into the self-loathing pool because it's absolutely fucking fruitless. So anyway, long side tangent, taking responsibility for those things. It's really hard when you're in moments like that. I've been there. Hopefully that gives you a clear example, example of my mental state that I was in when I was going through bulimia, but it wasn't until I really took responsibility for the thoughts that I was having and realizing that I can't control what my brain brings up. I cannot control when it says purple elephants or when it says 
like it, it, like the other day I had an urge to binge too. It was very out of the blue. I can't control those things. What I can control is what I think after. And you almost want to think of your brain like it's got different pools in it. And one pool is murky. It's kind of shady. It's got maybe some like mud and other things in it. And another pool is like neutral, pristine, clean. You want to get in that pool, right? But instead you keep walking along, both pools are available. The dirty one is like the self-loathing, not helpful, toxic thoughts that are just going to keep getting you disgustingly filthy all the time. And for some reason, you know, you see the pool, just like the thoughts come up, right? But you still have the option to get into the other pool. But instead what you're doing is you're jumping in the dirty pool. What you need to do is see the pool, recognize that it's there, recognize you have an option to still get into the other pool. And so anyway, long story short, what successful people do in recovery is they start to recognize that they don't have to keep on getting in their, the dirty pool and they have responsibility to actually get them outside of the dirty pool and get into the clean pool and stay there. And sometimes they're accidentally going to find themselves at the edge of the dirty pool. Maybe they even go swim in it for a bit. Cause they're like, Oh, this is kind of fun. But then they have the responsibility to get themselves back out again and keep on recorrecting that behavior till there's no longer this urgency to get into the dirty pool. The dirty pool becomes something different at that point. You're not struggling with bulimia anymore. We all have our own dirty pools in our brain that it's easy to go to. It just evolves over time. So anyway, people in recovery, they take responsibility for the good that they're doing and recognize it and reward themselves and get happy about it and get motivated. But they also take responsibility for the choices and thoughts that they're having that aren't that aren't helping them in recovery. And instead of beating themselves up and shaming themselves, they just say, okay, if I have the ability to do that, I can do something else. I can change it. So hopefully that's clear. That was a long-winded answer. Um, so another thing that successful people do, this one you guys are going to hate, you're going to be really upset with, it's going to be an emotional thing for you, but most successful people in recovery that progress faster, they're able to just like move along they put weight loss on the shelf. They stop trying to lose weight in recovery and they put it on the shelf and they start learning how to accept themselves as they are right now. And it's uncomfortable. It sucks. A lot of people have, that brings up a whole bunch of insecurities. It brings up sometimes weight gain. It sometimes brings up body fluctuations and they really just embrace that they, how they do this is they recognize if I keep trying to lose weight while I'm recovery and trying to lose weight from a place of urgency and, and forcefulness and restriction and not healthy, sustainable means, and I keep doing this, I'm going to keep living the exact same life I'm doing now. And by putting, pausing weight loss efforts for now, putting it on the shelf and just seeing how we can live right now with the bodies that we have and recognizing that actually the bodies we have right now are what have gotten us to the point that we're in right now. And we actually can live a pretty fulfilling life. And they start to open their minds to the fact that if I had to live in this body right now for the rest of my life, how could I do it? And what am I like missing by always striving for weight loss? And how could I just enjoy and being in this moment right now? They start to progress a lot faster in recovery because they start like weight loss can be, there's a way to do it that's much healthier there's a way to do it that's properly proper. And I do not talk about it that much on this podcast because I don't think that recovery and weight loss should mix. I have a really firm stance on that. I think it's totally safe to lose weight loss and pursue health goals and whatever you want to do. But when you're trying to stop binging, 
hunger that is probably required for weight loss sometimes that can really, really hinder your results and make you crazy. And it makes you overthink your food decisions. You need to regain normalcy with food. Throwing weight loss in the mix is not learning how to eat normally. It's learning how to eat normally to, at a, it's not even learning how to eat normally. It's learning how to lose weight. They're not the same thing. And you can eat normally while losing weights, but they should not be done in tandem. They, they can theoretically, but I really haven't been successful at that. And I haven't seen anyone else be successful at that. And actually the funny thing is when people put weight loss on the shelf, sometimes they find that they lose weight accidentally, or they find that their weight just doesn't fluctuate. Like it, it, a lot of times it does, but generally sometimes people find that it'll fluctuate or go up and then kind of settle into a comfortable spot, maybe even go back down. So something that successful people do in bulimia recovery is they pause weight loss. They put it on the shelf and they learn how to accept themselves as is. And another thing I, that I didn't even touch on that I was talking about the weight so much is that when you accept yourself as is, you really learn how to love yourself and embrace the reality of going on and enjoying the present thing. It's a very, very huge gift you can give yourself is to love yourself no matter what. It's the most amazing thing that you can do for you. And it helps you be a lot more resilient, a lot more able to withstand criticism and fear and rejection, all those sorts of things. So being able to put weight loss on the shelf is a lot more than about the number on the scale. Okay. Fourth thing that people do in recovery that makes them successful is they eat enough. And this is relative to the person that you're at, but they eat, they eat enough food. It's different for everyone. I get that, but they don't let themselves get ravenously hunger. I'm hungry. I'm not saying that you should be scared of hunger. Actually, when I work with clients, we talk a lot about hunger and their thoughts on hunger and becoming more comfortable with hunger and actually learning that hunger is not this gigantic emergency. They're going to be okay because people with bulimia usually have a big hunger fear as well. But during recovery, it's not the best idea to be super ravenous. It's not the best idea for anyone to be super ravenous for multiple reasons. So something that's important is they actually eat enough in recovery. And I've talked to so many clients who think that they're eating enough. And then when I've kind of done a little backend work, I'm just having like, tell me what you're eating roughly. And they're only eating like 1500 calories a day or, or less than that. And it's wondering why they're binging at night and they're eating only like sometimes, sometimes it's been like 800 calories in the morning. And it's like, you're setting yourself up to binge. One of my clients, she was, um, she was a college athlete or she, she literally, when I was working with her, was a college athlete. She was working really hard, walking all the time, doing lots of studying, being a college student, right? And she was just not eating enough. And when we actually got her diet to the point where she's eating um, food that was making her feel good and she was eating the correct amount and she was having diversity in her diet and enough protein, carbs, fat, vegetables, her binging, like, I feel like it reduced 90%. And it was really just managing urges to purge after that and managing urges to not fall back into the trap of restriction and that sort of stuff and moving on with her life. It's really quite a dramatic change. So sometimes it is, it is as simple as eating enough. And I know I hated hearing that in recovery. I hated thinking, I, I felt like I'm probably eating too much as it is, but I wasn't eating enough. And that was causing the binging, which was causing the overeating. And I wasn't eating enough, which was causing the overeating. Like it was just this fire fuel to the fire. And then I was mentally restricting when I was eating. So I was kind of like, I would eat food, but I was the whole time, like eating it in secret, feeling shame and guilt, thinking the whole time about when it was going to be over all this sort of stuff. When 
really, I should have been focusing on enjoying the food and eating properly and mindfully, and that would have been a lot better. So eating enough is very, very important to recovery and you should not um, underestimate it basically. Another successful thing that people in bleeding recovery do, uh, it's not that it's unheard of, people can recovery, recover without telling anyone, but it is really important for your recovery to have a support system. Generally, the people that recover, the people that get help from professionals and from um, their family and friends, the people, my clients that have, that their family members are in the know, at least their close family members, like their partners or their siblings or their parents, those people tend to progress a lot faster because everyone is tuned into what's going on. It's a collective goal. It's supportive. They have other people caring about them. They have people that are talking to them, asking them what's going on. It's very, very helpful. So I know that a lot of people want to figure it out on their own first, then tell people, but I want you to think about this. If someone you loved was struggling with something like you're struggling with, would you want them to tell you? And usually the answer is yes, a hundred times. Yes. I would want them to tell me because I would want to help them. And I didn't want, I wouldn't want them to go into this alone. And you know that they would probably excel faster if they had support from you, just like you would probably excel faster if you had support from other people, both in your life and then professional support. When it comes to professional help, it is so helpful to have an objective person you talk to every single day. Um, not just like professional help, you can go to a coach, therapist, um, whatever, but it's so handy to have someone that's a little outside of your life, who's maybe been there, um, who has uh, expertise on that, because they can give you kind of these objective thoughts and opinions, and they're not so emotionally attached to you recovering in a way, they can just look at it a lot more rationally. So do not underestimate the supportive emotional attachment and help you can get from loved ones, but then also the supportive, you know, help that you can get from professionals, but also who have much more rational opinion with it. They're not as emotionally attached perhaps, and they give you objective guided expertise. Both are so, so valuable and people that recover tend to have both going on. The people that recover the quickest tend to have those things going on. Okay. Now fifth, I think is where we're at now. <laughs> um, the fifth thing that people do that really, really helps them in recovery. And this is, again, I've said it a million times. It's so important is belief in yourself. People that I see recover, finally, they, they get, they start to actually believe in themselves. Sometimes the belief they get it from me because they hear my podcast, they hear that I've recovered, they hear some of my clients recover. And they're like, maybe I can do it too. And they hold on to that hope and possibility. And they start looking for evidence as to how it could be possible for them too. Those people, a fire, get, fire gets lit underneath them and they're ready. And then they start to see more and more evidence for how it is possible for them. Also, those people have belief in the moments that they do have control and that they can actually have make different choices. So we talked about the responsibility, but there's also the belief. And a lot of people don't believe that they are able to think properly in those moments. I promise you that you can. It's just a matter of recognizing it, being more aware and practicing it over and over and over again. It feels automatic because you're going through a habit pathway because you've done it a million times and because there's this urgent drive to go for it. But I promise there is still control in there. You just have to find it and be aware and recognize it and grab it and make a different decision. But people that tend to be successful in recovery, they believe in themselves. They believe in their capability, even if they don't believe what I just said, that you have control when you're having an urge to binge. They certainly believe they, they can figure it out. 
they believe that, you know, I don't know the answers. I don't know all the how it's people always want to know, like how to do things first, that that's important. You don't necessarily need to know the how you just need to believe that you can figure out how to find out the how, right. And you, if you keep on doing that, if you keep your mind open to the possibility that it's a, it's a reality, then you're going to be able to look for those answers. If you believe, if you stay open to the belief that you can figure out the how, then your mind is constantly looking for those opportunities. You know, it's like, it's constantly staying open, open-minded. And when you're open-minded opportunities come your way really is manifesting it in a way. So that's such a valuable thing that successful people in recovery do and do not underestimate the power of belief. Okay. Now, a bonus thing that people do in recovery, a little extra thing I wanted to add here. Um, something that successful people do that I see a lot that I think is also something worthwhile of note is that they're able to move through fear. They're able to tolerate it and they're just willing to go through it because they have a strong enough reason to recover and they feel really, really motivated by that reason. And so even when they feel fear, even when I'm telling them to do things that they're scared to do, um, even when they're, I mean, just the process of hiring a coach, right? It's a financial investment. There's no guaranteed results. When they come to me, they talk to me and they're like, I don't know, I don't know if it's gonna work. By them investing in coaching, they're moving through a lot of fear. They're moving through fear of like, what if this doesn't work out? I have self-doubts. I have doubts in everything, but they're still placing bets on themselves. They're moving through that fear and saying, even though I feel this fear, I'm going to try anyway. And that is a powerful skill. And I think that's really, really underestimated thing that coaching in particular does. I've invested in coaching programs before, and it really is like moving through that fear is scary. But when you do it, you feel even more powerful afterwards because you're like, I just did a thing. I just did a big thing. I just took a risk on myself, basically. What maybe to sum that up, what maybe people in recovery do, believe me, recovery that makes them successful is they take risks. They're risk takers, right? They're willing because if you don't take any risk in life, you just stay doing the same thing, um, doing the things that are certain for you. You're just going to keep on getting the same results, right? When you do different things, you don't have a guarantee if it's going to work out, especially if you've never done them before. But by taking those risks, you're, you're able to progress faster because you start figuring out faster what works, what doesn't work. Some of those risks, they're not going to work out, but some of those risks will. And the more you keep taking them, the more you're going to lead, lead you to the path that you want to be on. And so I just think it's a great example of what actually is a definer of success is being willing to take risks and move through that and being willing to just take risks, even though you're scared. I think people always, when they're trying to make decisions, they're trying to be like, well, how can I not, how can I be sure of my decision? And most of the time you can't, you just have to be vulnerable and trust yourself that no matter what the result is, you will be able to handle it. And you will be able to, you trust yourself to be able to handle the ups and the downs and the risks from it. So hopefully that resonates with you. If you feel like all these things you said, I'm not good at that's okay. You can learn how to get good at these things. I just made this episode because it's important if you're not doing one of those things to ask yourself, well, how could I consider doing one of those things? How could, if you just do one of these things, your life will change. So if you feel like I'm doing none of those things, I'm not able to do any of those things, question those thoughts for a second. Don't just take them as truth. Remember the dirty pool example we talked about earlier. Don't take them as truths. Just like stay out of the pool for a second and be like, 
how could I do these things? How could I start implementing some of these things in my life? How could I start to shift it a little bit? How could I maybe consider putting weight loss on the shelf? That's a big one. How could I take more risks? Um, how could I like move through the fear? You know, what, what would that require of me? How could I actually have the ability to do it if I stayed there for a second? How could I believe in myself more? What evidence do I have to actually believe myself? I focus so much on not believing in myself. What if I turn the dial a little bit and looked for evidence as to if I had to explain to someone why I was actually able to do this, what would I say? Challenge yourself. Your mind will come up with all the reasons why you, you aren't able to, but I really want you to challenge yourself to do the latter. That's something, again, that I focus on as a coach. My clients all the time come to me and they're like, I'm a failure. And I'm like, no, how are you not a failure? Like that line of thinking isn't helpful, right? And it's challenging at first, but it is so helpful to have someone pushing you. So anyway, I think that is enough. One announcement I wanted to make is about the course and the pricing on that has actually changed. And so it is actually on sale now for the holidays. And that is because I know I know not everyone is able to afford coaching. Um, and so the course, I made it to be a budget-friendly option to people who just wanted to take recovery on their own or wanted to aid recovery in terms of the other things that they're doing. Like maybe they're part of a therapy program, a group coaching program, whatever. I think that, you know, my coaching is the best. Just kidding. But I think coaching is important for everyone. And I think everyone should do it if they can, if they can um, make the financial investment. But if you can't, this course is a really great option and it's gotten so many people transformations as well. So that is on sale right now until January 3rd. You can find it in my Instagram or in the course podcast description below. And then the last announcement is just again to reiterate the free group coaching. So anyway. I just wanted to put that out there. Thank you so much for you guys that are listening to this. And I just want to say, if you've listened to this so far, you've already doing things that is putting you first and you're already considering the idea of recovery, which is huge. If you're listening to this podcast, you're already cashing into the belief that maybe there's something out there that can help me. So keep pushing forward with that belief. Keep pursuing that avenue. Keep listening to these things and other people as well. And keep on pursuing the idea that you could recover someday because it is totally possible for you. And it may not be so far out of reach as what you think right now. Anyway, I hope you guys have a wonderful um, weekend. I'm actually packing this weekend and I'm having Christmas this weekend with my partner. I'm going home for Christmas. So we're having our own little private Christmas here. And then we're going to go home with my family and have Christmas with them. So two Christmases for me this year, always fun, but we've got our little tree set up and uh, Anubis was really helpful in putting up the ornaments. He was like sniffing every single ornament I put on the tree. I was like, what is this? Is this a toy for me? Is this for me? And it was not. Um, so it was enjoyable, but I'm gonna make some hot cocoa and some cookies and maybe I'll make some gingerbread houses too, just for the fun of it and watch some awful Christmas movies and just hang out and have fun. So I hope that you guys have a lovely weekend and are cozy and warm wherever you are. Never give up on yourselves, my friends. Bye.